0: How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Good. We are continuing our summer in the psalm series. And and today we're going to be talking about a psalm that uh, I think most of us know or at least know parts of it. We're going to be focusing through Psalm 23 today. And uh, it's an amazing psalm and it's impactful for our life. And I just want to apologize up front. My voice might be a little raspy today um, because I have been here for a week yelling at kids all week. Um, to stop climbing and jumping, and so you're a kid in that voice. But it's been an amazing week of camp. Oh, 350 kids, how amazing is that? Come on. Team's been working really hard, and uh, we got one more week to go, so pray for me. Um, so as we, before we jump into Psalms 23, uh, I thought of a story uh, in my life, one thing I love to do, I try to do it every year, is, is I love going out and observing animals. Um, I love going out and observing animals. The difference is, for me and maybe some of you, is I like to observe them with a gun. And I know, I know some of you are like, uh-oh, you know, this it's called grace. So, uh, So I like to go out, and every year I like to go on a little hunting trip. And one a couple years ago, I went out on a trip, and I took our youth pastor, Jack Quinn, with me. Uh, he didn't have a tag, and so I told him, you're on bear patrol. Your job is to look out for bears, and if one comes, you have to take care of it. And so, you know, as he's never been hunting before. And so he's for sure thinking a bear is gonna come when we go out there, and I know for a fact they won't. Um, but it's funny. Um, and so... We get out there, and here's the scary, there's a little bit of a scary window of hunting. It's in the morning, because for you to get to the spot you're hunting, you have to go out when it's still pitch black outside. And you are walking through the forest, you're walking through the trees and climbing over rocks, and it is dark. You cannot see what is around you, and you're having to sneak, and you're just kind of always in the back of your mind wondering like what could be out there, and I wonder what Jack was thinking. And one of the mornings we got to a spot, And I found this perfect spot overlooking the valley that I was gonna kind of scan for deer as the sun begins begins to rise. And it starts to crest over the mountain and light is starting to come in. And Jack is sitting behind me, kind of observing the valley as well. And I kid you not, all of a sudden, I hear a roar. I just hear a grunt. I was like, that's a bear. There is a bear coming. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm a pastor of Jack's mentor. What do I do? I got to keep him safe, you know, because he's probably, he's probably freaking out right now. And so I'm looking around. I'm trying to find where this bear is. And I hear it. It's close. It's like right behind us. And all of a sudden, I turn around to look at Jack and to warn him, hey, it's time to, to panic. And... I turned to look at Jack, and it wasn't a bear. Jack had fallen asleep, and he was snoring. (laughs) And so I always give him a hard time that he is the worst bear defender to go hunting with. And you're like, okay, what does this have to do with Psalms 23? Nothing. Um, No, it does. It does, because Psalms 23 is we're going to be speaking about what do we do when we're scared? What do we do when we're terrified? What do we do when times get hard? Uh, What do we do when things are unexpected? And this Psalm, this Psalm 23, reveals truths about God that we need to remember. That as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we need to remember in our everyday life. Four main truths we're going to focus on today. The first truth is this: is that He is a God of provision. He is a provider. It says this in Psalms 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, it says. Uh, When thinking of shepherd, the idea of the Lord being shepherd starts all the way in the beginning, in Genesis. It says this in Genesis 49, 24, but his bow remained taut and his arms were strengthened by his hands of the mighty one of Jacob by the shepherd, the rock of Israel. When we think of this, when it says that he is our shepherd, shepherd in this time when these, are being, when these passages are being written, shepherd is a lowly status. It's an interesting thing to compare that, that we're talking about the Lord, God of the universe, and him being a shepherd. See, because in these times, in these times, a shepherd was the, the lowly job. If you had money, wealth, or power, you had someone else shepherding your flocks. But God is referred to as shepherd here. It's interesting to me that Jehovah, David, what he says here, is Jehovah, God, has chosen to be our shepherd. He's chosen to be our shepherd. Charles Spurgeon writes this quote. I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David, probably when he was king. He had been a shepherd, and he was not ashamed of his former occupation. This is God of the universe. God is our shepherd. God of the universe has chosen to come down. Think about this. If shepherd is a lowly job title, God leaving heaven and choosing to come down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, it's painting that picture. Jesus leaves heaven and he comes down and then in John 10, Jesus refers to him as himself as a shepherd. It says this in John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. I think sometimes we lose the magnitude of just how big of a deal it is that Jesus came to earth. It can get lost in all of our our thinking and all of our day to day, but do you realize that the God of the universe left heaven left the perfection of heaven where he was worshiped and adored and chose to come to earth to be a shepherd that sacrifices himself for his sheep. I, 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 when I read this passage and I think about that truth, that God came down, Jesus came down to be our shepherd, it makes me think I should wake up every morning and just be blown away by that fact. We should never become numb to the magnitude of how much it cost him to be our shepherd. It says, that, it says that he is our shepherd and I have all that I need. I have all that I need. He's our shepherd. A shepherd provides for his flock. And if he is our shepherd and we have all that we need, there's two things we need to do in our life today. Because I think most of us, wanna, we want to believe this truth, that we know he's a shepherd and we have all that we need with him. Two things we need to remember. Number one is this we need to remember that He provides. And number two, this is the big one we need to be satisfied with what He provides. It's not just about His provision, we know that to be true. Where I think the break in the road happens is when we become dissatisfied with what He said was enough, what He said we needed. I don't know about you guys, but we live in a very dissatisfied culture, do we not? I mean, we have like everything we could ever want, but we always want what? More. And we have to become satisfied with what he provides. One major thing that stood out to me in this verse one is it says, can you put it back up real quick, verse one? Put this back up real quick. It says, the Lord is what? My shepherd. Isn't that interesting that David personalizes this? That God, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not that the Lord is the shepherd. It's not that the Lord is just generally a shepherd. David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have chosen to allow him to shepherd me. I think we have to, as believers, we have to get to this point where David got in this psalm and saying this, that the Lord really is my shepherd, We can become really good at seeing him as a shepherd and we often will say he needs to shepherd that person but me, he's just the shepherd. We have to make the Lord my shepherd. It has to be personal. And for this to happen, just a couple things need to happen in your life. Number one, surrender. For the Lord to be your shepherd, you have to surrender to him. You have to surrender to the shepherd. I grew up uh, doing 4 H. Any 4 H kids in the house? There we go, a couple good ones. And, you know, I, I, I raised animals. I grew up doing 4 H, and it was interesting. As me raising them, they would always fight me at the beginning. They did not want to go where I wanted them to go, they did not want to listen to what I had to say. They probably couldn't even understand me. That was a joke. But as my journey went on with these animals, the more time I spent with them, they began to surrender to the calls and actions I asked them to do. Us as believers is the same thing. If the Lord really is my shepherd, we have to begin the process of surrender in our life. We have to also, the second thing that we need to, to make him be our shepherd is we need to learn to trust. Trust. Goodness, this one's hard. Because I guarantee you, everyone in this room has had their trust broken before right? You put your trust into someone, you put your trust into something, and you've had it broken. And when we have our relationship with our shepherd, my shepherd, we have to trust him. Not just hypothetically thinking through, we have to authentically trust his provision. And the last thing we have to do to practice this, becoming my shepherd, is we have to practice contentment we have to practice contentment. We have to learn how to be satisfied. We have to learn how to see things, how he sees them. The goal of this psalm in the beginning is for us to get to the place of acknowledging that he is my shepherd and I have all that I need. The second truth this psalm reveals in verses two and three is this, is that he is a God who provides guidance. He provides guidance. It says this in Psalms two, twenty-three, verses two and three. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He lets me rest in green meadows. Doesn't that just sound magical? You know, just resting in a green meadow. He lets me rest. Other translations will say this, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. See, one thing about a shepherd is a shepherd knows when his flock needs to rest. Our shepherd is the same. Our shepherd knows when we need rest. And we live in a culture in a world that prides itself on constantly going, doing more, never stopping, just work harder. You know what, I'm just going to say it. Some of us, we just need a nap. Some of you just need a nap, amen? Amen. Amen. All the moms in the house are like, yes, preach it. (laughs) Yes, sometimes we just need a nap. Our shepherd knows when we need to rest. Our shepherd knows we need a break. And yes, the nap thing's funny, and sometimes we do need a nap, but what this is really saying is our shepherd knows when we need to stop and pause and rest in him. We need to rest in his presence. Rest at his feet. Stop the busyness, stop the chaos, stop the continuous running, and just take a moment and say, God, I am going to rest with you. The shepherd knows when we need rest. It Talks about peaceful streams in this passage. You just, you kind of see this idea of he is a God of comfort, care, and rest, and then it goes on to say this. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. He renews my strength. Other things will say he renews my soul. This passage here. He renews my strength. He renews my soul. The actual Hebrew word here for this renews and restores my soul is the word repentance. He brings me to repentance. Repentance. As as I rest in him, it brings me to a place of repentance or conversion. Charles Spurgeon has this quote about this line here. It says, He restores my soul, he restores it to its original purity that was now grown foul and black with sin. For also, what good would it be to have green pastures and a black soul? He lays me down. He, rests. He, he tells me it's time to rest in these green pastures and in doing so calls me to repentance. When we rest in his presence and we pause and we allow him to work in us, that restoring of ourselves will begin. He guides me along right paths. The path of righteousness Really what it's saying here in this point is he's guiding us along these right paths. He, he shows us how to live. He, he shows us how we should live in our daily life. He shows us the, the, the tempo and, and the practice of how we are called to live. He guides me along right paths. For this to be true, if we're going to believe that he really can show us how to live, we must do two things. Number one, we must seek his wisdom. This is one thing I don't think we do enough of. Seeking the wisdom of God over our own wisdom. One thing that always I find funny is when someone comes to me with an idea and they say this, Shane, I think, ah, that scares me. That scares me. Because I know myself and my human wisdom is flawed and broken. I want to have more conversations where I approach the conversation. I go, Shane, I mean, or whoever I'm talking to, I sought God and I believe this is where He's calling me. Not so much I think, but His wisdom is reigning over my life. We need to seek His wisdom and we also need to seek His peace. We serve, He's a God of peace. He, he calls us to rest, He guides us along right paths, but we have to seek this peace out. We have to be looking for the peace of God in our life it's so funny to me because we are frantic people are we not we, we get we get well, we're out there you know just drive on highway 80 around five o'clock you know you'll see you'll see the truth of humanity and we are frantic people and so many times in life, we are just staying in this frantic panic mode, jumping from one situation to the other, and we never pause to rest in his presence and say, God, give me your peace. I mean, it's, it's something that we have in our life that we are called to call upon, but we very rarely do. We need to seek his peace. You guys with me? Some of you are. Amen. Third point for today's message. Third truth that is revealed from God in verse four is this. He is present. Psalms 23, four reveals that he is present. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. We see in this psalm it begins to take a turn. Verses one through three, amazing stuff. Green pastures, streams, like a fairy tale land and then we get to verse four even when i walk through the darkest valley some other translations even when i walk through the shadow of death real dirt here what is it saying well if the lord is my shepherd even when the lord is our shepherd and he guides us and he protects us we will still face dark valleys If the Lord is our shepherd, we will still face the darkest of valleys. I think sometimes if we're honest, we think of our relationship with Christ as a way to get out of hard things. That if I have a relationship with him, I will avoid the trials and the hardships of everyone else. That's not the truth of the Bible. The Bible tells us that he is our shepherd who both guides us to green meadows and to streams and is with us in the darkest of valleys. It is not that the darkest of valleys are not there or they are convoided, but we have the truth that he is present with us in it. Amen? It says this, and like I said, some of it's the shadow of death here. The darkest valley, some say it's the shadow of death. And I, I think this is just an amazing truth. Even when I pass through the darkest valley, even when I pass through the shadow of death, One thing I hope you realize is this is talking a lot about what Christ does for us. This psalm that is in the Old Testament is speaking of what Christ does for us in our eternity. Because when we come to him and we surrender our life to him and we make him the ruler over our life and we confess our sins and he becomes our savior, our Messiah and our life is dedicated to him. We are promised eternity in heaven with him. That's great truth, amen? But here, think about how amazing this is. When Jesus comes down to earth and he puts himself on that cross, dying, shedding his blood, going to the grave and conquering sin and death, he takes the full reality of death for us. And as Christians, when we pass from this earth, we do not go to death, we pass through the shadow. Because we don't stay there. As Christ's followers, we are passing through the shadow of death to eternity with our Father in heaven forever. That we are not staying in this death place. We are not staying dead. Even though our mortal bodies will decay and go away, we are passing through the shadow of death because of what Christ did for us. I love this also, this idea of passing through, if if you're interpreting this passage as darkest valleys, hard times in life, it is important for us to remember that as Christians, we are always passing through this dark valley. We sometimes, when we're in the darkest of valleys, and I know there's some of us right here this morning where you feel your life is that dark valley right now. You woke up today and you're in that dark valley. Relationally, financially, emotionally, whatever it is You are in that dark valley When you read Psalms 23 You need to hear this truth That you have a shepherd that has not abandoned you in the dark valley He is with you as you pass through it You are not stuck in this valley. You are not staying there. If you are a follower of Christ, he is guiding you through it. And you need to look for the light at the end of the tunnel and say, yes, I'm in this valley now, but I have Jesus with me and he's bringing me through it. Amen? Amen? When it comes to the shadow, I found another quote by Spurgeon I just thought was amazing. It says this. Death in its substance has been removed, and only the shadow of it remains. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway, even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite, the shadow of a sword cannot kill, and the shadow of death cannot destroy us. Amazing truth. That through Jesus Christ, as we pass through that shadow, it cannot destroy us. It says here again in this verse, you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me. As we go through seasons of difficulty, he is the shepherd who is present and protects us. The presence of the shepherd does not always eliminate the darkness, but is always present in it. When you read Psalms 23, you see this present shepherd who is with you in times of trouble. It's a truth that we hold on to as believers. As I was preparing for this sermon this week, I heard the most amazing story about Psalms 23. I was walking through the halls of our office and I was walking by one of our staff members, our very own Karen Durst, says, Shane, come here. I gotta tell you a cool story about Psalms 23. She she read me this, she told me this story and I said, I have to tell it to everyone else. The story goes like this. As I walk into Karen's office, she says, I need to tell you a story about Mama Jewel. Mama Jewel is her grandmother. And her grandmother lived in a small town in Texas, very small town. And she was a teacher in this small town. And on one day at the school, there was a tragedy that happened in the 1960s when JFK was murdered. At that moment in the school, they began to call the parents, to come pick up their kids. And as time went and waited, and they waited and they waited, Mama Jewel had all the kids there who are panicked, who are scared, who are uneasy of what is happening. And what she began to do is she began to recite Psalms 23 over and over again with the class. As they waited for the parents, she would say, the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need. He protects me. He guides me along right path, and his rod and his staff protect me. And they began to recite this story over and over and over. Well, as years went by, I believe, I could have this number wrong, but I believe at the age of 88, she passed away. And at her funeral, one of these students sent a letter to be read in her honor. And in this letter it said this, that that tragedy as a kid in that classroom was the first time in my life I faced tragedy like that. And Psalms 23 got me through it. And it has been doing it ever since for the rest of my life. Read at her funeral. That's the kind of impact that Psalm had. The truth of knowing that the Lord is my shepherd and his rod and his staff protect me. We have to, just like Mama Jewel challenge these kids to believe this truth, we have to believe this truth as well. That when we face trials, that his rod and his staff protect us. Amen? In the last two verses of Psalm 23, it says this. He prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the battle, you prepare a feast for me to dine on. I began to think of this line and I'm 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 just a visual person. I began to think like I saw this World War II battle and you got the forces on each side and they're coming towards each other. Can you imagine what it would have looked like if one of the the, the armies came over the hill and the other opposing army was just dining? Their, Their tables are set and the plates and the forks and the spoons and they're just enjoying a dinner. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I, I, I wonder what that would have been like when you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that I am yes, I am in the presence of enemies, but I don't even have to fight. I don't even have to worry. I I, I could sit down and feast in the presence of them because you are a God who is over them. It goes on in this passage. My cup overflows with blessings, and surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I wanna focus on that word pursue. This translation pursue here is is actually a weak translation. Pursue just meaning to follow or to trail. The actual translation, if you look back as far as we can go, the actual translation for pursue is to hunt down. Surely your goodness and your mercies and your unfailing love hunt me down. It changes everything in this verse. If pursue is just this following of me, trailing after, But if you really think of it, if it is to hunt me down, it's to find me no matter what. Even when I resist it, his goodness will hunt me down. Even when I've turned, his goodness will hunt me down. Even when I've sinned or fallen, his goodness and mercy will hunt me down. That's the love of our shepherd that even when we've turned, even when we've failed, even when we're in the darkest of valleys, His goodness and mercies hunt us down. And it never rests, and it never stops. It's not like Jack Quinn falling asleep in the morning. This kind of hunting is a pursuit of you. Do you see the value of yourself to God? Do you see that you're that valuable to God That even when you resist it He says I'm coming after you I'm going to come pursue you with blessings Even when you don't deserve it I'm going to hunt you down with my goodness Even when you've rejected me His unfailing love will hunt you down And this last verse This last line in this last verse Is the greatest cause for celebration As a Christ follower this promise, after he's hunted us down with his blessings and his unfailing love, we are given this promise. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I am not destined to stay in the trials of this world. I am not destined to stay in the darkest of valleys. I'm not destined to stay a broken and sinful person. By the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, I am promised that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I wanna drive this home. Dwell, to dwell is not to be an acquaintance. To dwell is not to be a visitor. To dwell is not to be someone passing through. To to dwell is to be adopted in, to made part of that home. You will be a family member permanently implanted in the heavens for eternity with a God who loves you, and that's the truth. So when we sing a song, when we sing a song like he has good plans, man, it's easy to think through that song and your current circumstance and say, these aren't good plans. But when you read the end of Psalm 23 and you know what your eternity looks like, those are the good plans that he speaks of. No matter what you're facing, he does have good plans for you. He does have good plans for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for meeting us here today. We pray that we would hold on to that truth, that we will dwell in your house forever. Those are the plans you have for us. Let us remember those truths. We love you, God. We thank you for being our shepherd. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.